Hey, everybody, just want to preface this show. Nice little random show for me and Justin to just hang out and catch back up. We haven't seen each other in about a month. It, the conversation goes all over the place. If that's not what you hear, it's fine. Just close it down and go check out another video or whatever. I want to let you know that beforehand. And without further ado, on to the show. Welcome, everybody, once again to Retire.Army, where we talk about things, retirement, transition, and all things in between. And we're back again with Justin. It's been a while. We've had a little hiatus. Um, there'll be some timestamps in the episode, so you can just click around to whatever you want to click around to, uh, open some smorgasbord. So with that, welcome back, Justin. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. Uh, yeah, it's been a little bit. It's like a, been about a month, maybe a little, little more. But yeah, lots been going on, so... You know, we all get busy and kind of bogged down with obligations and things like that. So it's kind of get good to get back to a point where things kind of slow down. Hopefully, you can kind of get back in a in a roll. So no, I'm happy to I'm happy to be back. I'm glad to have you back. So you've been uh, kind of like off the rails a little bit, and then you had to kind of steer it back steer it back in. How's that been going for you? Good. No, I mean, just a couple of things like, uh, you know, so we wrapped up Hill Vets, but I mean, like, you know, that the big uh, kind of conclusion with that was the, hosting our, our policy conference. Um, so that, you know, in itself had a lot of uh, logistics involved. You know, we kind of did like a prep session with our panelists. Well, I mean, even going back a couple weeks before that, kind of final, finalizing our panelists and, you know, getting our times, you know, so they could free up their schedules and then coordinating and then kind of doing like a prep session just to kind of introduce people and kind of, you know, provide some of like the general questions and things like that and make sure I had, you know, their backgrounds right and their bios and their names and all that. So just, you know, going into that and then kind of, you know, preparing myself to moderate and then, um, you know, going into helping set up uh, the, the conference itself, um, with some of the organization. And so that was a bit, I mean, that was a, that was a heavy week. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, the, you know, a lot of pressure too. Um, but yeah, no, we got through it. Um, then, you know, kind of had a wrap up session the following week and we're done with that. And I'm officially a Hillvets alumni. Um, so that was a big thing. Uh I'm trying to think what else was going on. And then we just, I probably just got back from my last TDY ever, I would think, this last week. I had to go down to Charlottesville, Virginia uh, for the office manager's course, which is kind of a, a you know, a, an annual kind of training, best practices, uh, professional development um, short course at our regimental home down at the, the JAG school in Charlottesville. So that was this last week. Um, so a lot of, and I'm trying to think everything, the, all the time of, in between is kind of a blur. I'm trying to think what I was working on um, in that that other space. So yeah, it's been kind of busy though. Did you ever get the uh, all the yard work slash housework done? Did you ever get that? I was working on it yesterday, and if it hadn't been raining today, I probably would have been working on it too. Um, so still, we I'm not sure if I shared this, but um, kind of looking at the potential of turning our perimeters into another rental. Um, if we can find a new primary residence. So basically I'm looking for kind of a loan assumption situation if I can find one, just because uh, housing prices are so expensive here. I can, can't really afford to buy or borrow new money at today interest rates just because housing prices are so high. So if I could find an assumption somewhere where someone's got something that they started a couple of years ago and I could assume that and kind of just, you know, take on the current, uh, 
you know, structure and interest rate, then we could potentially turn this into a rental. So I am trying to work on it um, because if I can't get it, you know, listed and, and rent it out by the end of the year, then, you know, all the money I put in this house are tax deductible. And if not, then I'm just another sucker that's throwing money at their house for no reason. <laughs> so that's the hope. The hope is that all this money we're putting into this house will, you know, will be for our investment property, but we'll see. We'll see if it happens. Um, so now I'm still working, still working out in the yard. Finally got the, all the, the footings and the deck ripped out a few weeks ago. Um, I was kind of working, uh, in the flower beds this week, kind of, kind of out, putting in, um, mulch and things like that. So it's one of those things that I've been realizing over the past year and a half or whatever, really just the past year and a half from being out of the military working on the house, doing things. There's a lot of stuff that I really don't want to do. And that water main was one of them. And it, what it literally took was my neighbor came over and he had a couple shovels in his truck and he's like, Hey, I brought some shovels. And I'm like, cool. What are we going to do with shovels? And he's like, yeah, we should go check out your water main. Cause I think you got a leak out there. I was like, what? So we walked out there and we looked and I'm like, I don't want to do this stuff. I procrastinated to death. I called everybody. I called plumbers. At some point we drove to a plumber place and talked to the guy, the manager. And he was like, you sound like you know how to do this stuff. So you know, I'm just going to give you a few things to get started with. Here's what you need to pick up. Here's what you need to stay away from. Grab this, don't grab that. And then just work on it really slowly. Take your time. If you have any questions, call me up and you'll figure it out. And so I kind of muscled myself into it and I was like, all right, cool. Let's do this. So. Um, it was a pain. It was very hard. It was out of my comfort zone. It was, it's not something that I'd normally do, but just by allowing myself to slow down a little bit, take it step by step, take a break in between if I needed to. And, and I did it. And I was surprised at the end when it was all working and I was like, wow, it's not leaking. It's, huh. I guess it's not that complicated. So yeah, that's, um, that's one of the things that I wanted to kind of pick your brain about like now that hill vets is done um are there any other kind of like social gatherings slash things of that nature pointing you in the direction of the career that you're trying to get to that you're that you're looking at currently being a landlord isn't all uh isn't all rainbows and and uh, pots of gold is a uh, there's some pain in there sometimes so it comes to the territory though uh, but anyways, yeah, to get back to kind of your question. Um, so no, I mean, nothing like formal, like yet. I mean, I did kind of just start, you know, applying for uh, federal jobs just because I know the time it can take and some of the advice I got from people that had, you know, been waiting eight, nine, 10 months to get onboarded from the time they actually applied. I fit. Yeah. I figured it wouldn't be you know too far, uh, to start applying now. Um, but I mean, other things, even like smaller local government or anything like that in the private sector, I'll probably hold off till the summer just because I really don't anticipate starting a new job until after the new year anyway. So kind of want to temper expectations and, and that. So, um, you know, Hill Vets, I mean, they still do have a, you know, a, a social night once a month. And, uh, you know, I do need to meet up with um, Andrew here probably early next month just our schedules have been, haven't haven't really aligned yet um but really i'm just you know trying to go potentially kind of get on the um i don't want to say like lecture but like public speaking kind of circuit right so one of the pieces of advice is when i first 
met Andrew was he was like, just look for things in the area or even potentially things that are broadcast online, things that kind of interest you in public policy and then follow up with, you know, speakers and try to kind of build your network that way. So that's kind of what I'll, what I figure out, you know, kind of uh, look at doing here heading in the next couple months. Um, but I mean, I'm still trying to, I'm, I'm kind of stuck in a conundrum and that really comes down to the level of compensation uh, staffers make on Capitol Hill. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not sure if that really aligns with kind of uh, like my goals, my aspirations, really. Um, so I kind of, I'm really kind of pondering that, kind of trying to balance, you know, a potential fulfillment, you know, that provide versus, you know, trying to actually support a family and also, you know, create financial freedom. Um, so I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of weighing that it, Capital Hill might actually work out just because some of the salaries are just so stinking low. Um, they're not really designed for 40 year olds with families and mortgages. They're really more designed for 22 to 24 year olds that have three roommates that don't mind, you know, sleeping on a, an inflatable mattress for a couple of years. Uh, so it is, it's kind of unfortunate, um, at that kind of level, the level of compensation, um, so I don't know. I'm still filling things out. I still got time, but I am kind of expand broadening the search a little bit um, to kind of things look at jobs that potentially would have some kind of some crossover between policy and then, you know, operations or, or uh, program management. So I could kind of kind of work, you know, leverage the skill set I've developed, but then also, you know, kind of uh, integrate um, some of the poly as policy aspects that I've kind of desire in my in my next job yeah i've been thinking about that a lot too lately i mean i've been trying to branch out and reach out to my signal core people like the regimental association things like that go to a few meetings here and there just to make friends um kind of keep my nose into the into the business of what they do and you know it's it serves a couple purposes and, and I'm constantly thinking in the back of my mind about, I mean, I, granted, I'm not, I don't have a child on the way, so I know that kind of throws things off a little bit, um, but really just expanding versus downsizing. Do, do you take the government job versus taking the internship? Is it because of the money? Is it because of the circumstances? Uh, I think a lot about that. I've actually been, I mean, you know, this last year has been really kind of a sabbatical. Like it's literally been me doing freelance work, me trying to make sure that I live off of just my retirement payment and I don't have VA disability on top of that, like some people do. So, you know, if you compound a, a retirement check and a hundred percent VA disability, that's, that's a decent chunk of money. Like that's almost comparable to an active duty salary. <clears throat> taking it from that perspective. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's, you're right, there's trade-offs, but I think there's definitely some benefits to, even if it's just short-term, even if it's like 16 weeks, 12 weeks, two months, right? Um, taking that kind of step back in order to take a, a bigger step forward. Um, I'm really considering some of that stuff as far as like maybe like an AWS or an internship with like Salesforce or something like that, where they may or may not pay you, but then they have like a 93% job placement 
after that, after the 12 or 16 or whatever happens to be weeks. Um, so really weighing that out, it's interesting to hear your, your, your thoughts and opinions on it. Yeah. Like I said, very, very, really early stages. So I haven't even got that um, right now. It's just kind of just a volume game. Some of the stuff it's like, eh, I could see myself doing it. Would I love it? Eh. I mean, there's only so much info you get off of, off of an advertisement anyway. Right. So it's like, you don't even really know about the position or the organization or kind of the culture, or really anything until you actually start talking to people that work there. So just right now, it's just a volume. I'm like, yeah, if, you know, if I'm thinking qualified and I'm, you know, I might be able to do something like that, then you know, I might as well just apply. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it, it also doesn't make it, it makes it difficult just to the high cost of living area that we're, that I'm currently living. So, um, that's another consideration that I'm actually kind of having, uh, second thoughts about, uh, just cause originally I was like, well, you know, we're here, I'm tired of moving. That's, you know, one of the many factors why I'm retired just because I'm tired of moving. Um, so I'll just stay here. Well, you know, we're, I don't, I don't know what the, what the actual number is, but I, I guarantee we're in one of the top 10, if not top five, you know, cost of living areas in the country. So, you know. Then it's almost you have to like chase the paycheck just to you know make ends meet. So also considering you know the pension you know potential of moving, although I would know where you know I'd probably I wouldn't move somewhere and then seek opportunity. I'd probably look for an opportunity, and then if things lined up, then I'd probably move there. But just thinking about things like that, just because it is so ridiculously expensive, um, just you know to make things kind of easier. Financially, so everything's on the table. I haven't made anything definitive yet. So, but just thinking about things and weighing options and looking at trade-offs and adulting. It's definitely part of my decision-making process. Is that cost of living thing? That's why I'm trying to, you know, sell the house, get out of here, go somewhere where the cost of living is considerably lower. Um, the dollar or the euro in that case stretches quite a bit more. And you don't have to get like a hundred and fifty thousand dollar job to keep your head above water and keep the bills paid and you know pay for HOAs and all that nonsense. Like you can just live comfortably, live a good lifestyle, have a decent size place, and and uh, kind of rebuild and start again, but um, in a place that's comfortable. It's like from a financial perspective, and hopefully from a from an environment perspective as well, because that's a big thing too. Like that's one thing that I don't know if you, you probably considered it or talk with your wife about it, like the school system and the, you know, the, the quality of the education in that area. Cause it's, it's zero to five is really quick. It's really quick. <laughs> so surprising my wife's more concerned about school districts than I am. I, I don't know. I mean, she was before we even had kids and which I thought was somewhat irrelevant, <laughs> but <laughs> But no, I mean, I get that. Um, I mean, honestly, I haven't done the research like nationwide because I mean, I'm sure every state you move to, there's, you know, the good pockets with this good school district. Like, you know, Augusta, for instance, right? Columbia County has got the preferred school districts. Richmond County doesn't. So I was told to stay out of Richmond County. Um, so, I mean, I think that's give and take wherever you go. I mean, obviously, Fairfax County up here has phenomenal school districts. So like, why would you ever, ever, ever want to leave here? Uh because it's funny you go over to what is it you just cross the potomac into prince george's county maryland and how you know houses cost half as much and you're like oh i wonder why uh so 
Um, but yeah, no, I mean, and I mean, I did hear, you know, I have heard about, you know, the migration over the last couple of years and people moving um, out of metropolitan areas and the more rural areas. And I actually know two people now, surprisingly, that have moved to Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, well, one, yeah, so one uh, really good friend I've known for over a decade. So he actually was from Oklahoma originally mobilized uh, up to uh, the Pacific Northwest, deployed, and then you know ultimately stayed up there, met his wife, started a family. She's so been up there for 10 years. And now they just, last month, they moved back to Oklahoma. Um, cost of living is a lot lower, you know, close to family, things like that, you know, more entrenched family values. And then I have another colleague who's just retired last week. And uh, his, I think his wife and one of his children are already in Tulsa and they're getting, you know, he's getting ready to join them here, but he was telling me about it and, you know, all the house they were able to buy for a fraction of what I paid for ours and, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, there are places in the country uh, you can move to and, and stretch your dollar. Um, I mean, I've never, I don't know, I've never lived in the Midwest, so I don't have family out there. Actually, you know, so... I don't know how you feel about living in Tornado Alley, but yeah, that and again, your job that you're the, the kind of the path that you're going down, it's really uh, I don't know, I don't know if it works the same at the state and local levels and things like that. Like that's also other options to look at as well because you're looking at more like the DC, like the so if you look at like the federal level, like you know, even if Congress isn't in session, like the staffers, you know, that's like a full-time job. You go down to like the state level, like they, Congress isn't in session 360. They're in session maybe a couple months a year. I think actually Virginia or there's some states where they don't, they meet like every other year. So it's like, maybe they'll have like one or two full-time staff. So it's like, yeah, the government's definitely not as robust out there. Um, but, you know, obviously, if you're working kind of like in municipalities or something like that, it's like a, you know, like the city manager's or office, city manager's office or something like that. It's more like full time work. But so, you know, I'm necessarily tied to to, uh, you know, elected official government. But, you know, really, it's at the end of the day, it's really, you know, trying to use my skills and abilities to try to just improve the welfare of, you know, the public and the community. So. Anyway, I can do that, you know, kind of leave the place better when you found it. I think, I think I'll get some satisfaction that way. Yeah. I wanted to reach back as well on, uh, I think we left off, off from this topic on the last time we met up, but as far as books go, you had mentioned Atomic Habits. I actually went and picked it up and I read it. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to read it or anything like that, but any, any kind of good insights you got out of it and maybe any other books that you picked up along the way? Uh, no. So, so I'm still working through that one. Um, but I mean, I, and it's not even from that. So I've been really, I mean, I would say probably last month, I've really been focused on, uh, real estate. So I've been, you know, really kind of entrenched in that, but I mean, I think it kind of aligns with the topic. It's, it's literally building habits. It's consistency, right? It's the repetition of the good, the good habits you want. Um, and I think that's, I mean, I really do think that's key just about everything. I mean, it's everything, right? Eating healthy, exercising, right? It's the people, not the people that start on January 1st and, you know, go hard for three weeks and quit. It's the ones that, you know, are able to actually get a habit and, and kind of, you know, build it into their lifestyle. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's everything. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I'm still working through Atomic Habits, but um, yeah, it, it is. I think it just really comes down to being consistent. Um, and I think that'll, 
that really kind of determines people that are successful versus people that aren't as successful because you know i mean it's emotional right you have your ups and downs like everybody else but it's kind of you able to kind of fight through those low points and sticking with it and you know persevere at the end so yeah i kind of feel like if you've got the right amount of habit not just the right habits but the right amount of habits and the right amount of equilibrium between uh random like spur of the moment choice versus a habitual kind of choice that you've already kind of pre-planned in advance like say for instance picking out clothing for the day right if you've if you do the steve jobs method and you have like one black turtleneck and one pair of jeans and one pair of new balance shoes like you don't have to make a decision right it, it, it cuts out all the other decisions in the morning where you can just get up get your coffee and then just go to work or do whatever you're going to do right so I think if you if you can set the right amount of habits and the right habits together, and it's really, it's an individual thing. Like it, de it depends on what your driving forces are. It depends on what your motivations are. But if you can get those kind of things set in place and eliminate the, the choice, then it really, it really kind of streamlines your day and it also frees up a lot of time, right? So that's the other thing about it. Like yes you don't want to be a robot but you also don't want to spend time dwelling on like what are we going to cook for dinner tonight like you know if you can eliminate things like that you can actually whittle in a lot more time and i think that's the the kind of the trick to it is like once you've got habits in place to eliminate nonsensical kind of decisions then you free up a ton of time and then and then you come to the the conundrum in that where it's like okay now i have all this extra time now how do i spend it or what do i need to allocate it to and that's where it kind of gets confusing and you have to just go back and forth with it until you find that right balance like i find myself now with a ton of time right being retired no job i mean i have you know freelance work and stuff like that but at the same time i, feel, I find myself taking a lot of breaks and it's it's not like take a break and do nothing like I'm taking a break in reading or I'm taking a break and, you know, ingesting some kind of information. But then I, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, well, did I spend my time wisely today? And I think for me, it's like, if I'm continually learning, if I'm continually pushing on things that I want to do and things that I'm trying to accomplish, even if that means taking three hours of reading in the middle of the day, you know, or meditating for 20 or 30 minutes, just to keep things level-headed. I think for me, it just, it balances out that way and, and makes sense. Um, but again, it's a very individual choice. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree hundred percent. And I'm not sure who coined the phrase, you know, de decision fatigue, right? So it's like, you can only make so many a day for you. So, and I, I mean, I recognize that too earlier in my life. Um, and the one thing that really stands out, um, and so, you know, I always used to try to exercise, you know, get, you know, go exercise after work. And it's like half the time you'd be so fatigued, maybe just mentally or physically, just, you know, you, you, you wouldn't go. You're just like, I'm too tired. I can't, I don't have time for this today. And I don't even know how I got, how I got hooked on it. But then I started going to the gym at lunch when I was still had energy. And, you know, I, I guess the decision fatigue hadn't set in and I was able to, like, you know, I, I did that till COVID. So, I mean, I did that for the, you know, the better part of 10 years, I was literally in the gym at lunch, probably 98, 99% of the days I was at work. Um, 
So yeah, I think, you know, the more time you can save, not, you know, wasting your decision making ability on things like what am I going to eat for breakfast? What am I going to wear today? Or, you know, those almost become, well, they become a habit, right? So it's not even a decision. It's just ingrained. And then you can save. you have your decision energy basically for like the big problem solving um, tasks so that you aren't, you know, kicking that can down the road day after day because you just don't have the time to, or you don't have the willpower, the energy or the, the will to kind of make that decision. So, yeah, no, I definitely agree with everything you said. Yeah, I picked up one other book, and I don't know if it's anything that interests you or anybody else out there, but it's called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. It's by Kuhn, Thomas Kuhn, who was written back in the 50s, I guess, and then it's been revised since then, and he's added some kind of intro onto it. But, um, I mean, it seems like a lot of the stuff that I read, even Atomic Habits, like it's it deals with psychology, right? It deals with psychology and sociology is basically the two, the two factors. And the psychology thing is figuring out like, what are my habits? What, what do I do wrong? What do I do right? And then trying to figure out, well, what do I really want to do? And what am I supposed to be doing? Or what do I, what makes more sense to be doing versus what I'm actually doing now and optimizing, I guess. Um, this book is actually breaks down the the psychology of science and the sociology of science. So the guy started off as a physicist and then he kind of turned and went in the direction of breaking down science as a science, right? So kind of like a meta thing about science, but he's trying to break it down, break down the scientific process, break down how science works, break down paradigms and how paradigms happen and what, what, factors are needed to create a paradigm and then how do you do, do a paradigm shift where you go beyond the paradigm that was there and then you end up creating another paradise it's just really interesting no I, yeah no i mean i agree I'm, you know i'm trying to learn more kind of about you know psychology and kind of sales and things like that i mean not so much like i'm trying to pitch like you know vacuums door to door but just i mean you're really kind of selling almost every day you're selling yourself you're selling your ideas you know and kind of uh you know kind of the mental aspects that go into that and kind of trying to build kind of rapport and you know trying to get influence and things like that so yeah it is it's you know still a lot of human interaction uh you know these days that goes into making decisions it's not you know just doing things from your computer. So yeah, no, it's really interesting to get into. Honestly, I don't even remember how we got on this rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it is. I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to learn kind of just more about myself and, and how other people, you know, trying to think how other people think and not trying to kind of get out of my own head that everybody thinks like me. Um, yeah, I've been exploring it for the better half of 10 plus years on and off on my own completely like i'm not a psychology major i didn't go to school for psychology but the more i started the, when i started to read it the more i started to read it the more i started to understand like that's really how the world operates right you can you can say it's about market trends and about economies and about war and about this and that but at the end of the day it's like one-on-one -on -one human interaction and the psychology that happens between those two humans. And it's not all on the surface psychology. Like it's not like 
one person says something and then the other person says something like there's a lot of there's a lot of underlying like unspoken communication that happens between humans like i would say between most animals um but since we evolved language and we you know we speak all these different languages and dialects and everything like you can you can almost like do you speak spanish i'm going to learn when robin when robin teaches the baby the context of a of a conversation in spanish versus the context of a conversation in english right even if you speak both of them perfectly right fluently there's a different context right it's a different context if i'm talking to somebody in german versus talking to somebody in italian versus talking to somebody in english there's just different cues and different unspoken like things that happen especially in, in in a language like like italian right it's all hand movements and hand gestures like you can literally have a conversation just moving your hands and saying one word right um but yeah psychology is a is a deep 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 rabbit hole if you ever need a book i've got 300 of them all right what else nervous no, I mean, it hasn't, no, not yet. I, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm not nervous. I know I'm almost, I, I mean, part of me is almost, I'm probably almost over anxious, right. To like get the ball rolling on this thing. Right. It's like, I've been slow playing it for so long, you know, it's like, yeah, you want to be fully prepared and give yourself as much time, but like, you know, you can't start interviewing for jobs two years for can actually start them, you know? So it's like, yeah, I've just been slow playing it and it's like, okay, let's, you know, let's get, let's let's get closer to that you know the finish line so i can actually start making some like serious moves um because i mean you can only prepare so much right you can only read and listen to podcasts and interview people at some point you kind of just got to start you know swinging the bat yourself and see what happens because um, you can't prepare for everything so no i mean that's i mean I'm, yeah i'm not nervous i'm really just kind of like anxious to get started so um maybe maybe we get closer to like the really end and i have nothing i literally have nothing lined up and like my whole you know perfect transition is a farce and you know hopefully it blows up in my face yeah sure then it'll be panicky but no, i feel good right now one one card at a time <laughs> you know just trying to crank out one day at a time and be it you know just a little bit better than the day before so um, still kind of a juggling act, right? Still, still got my obligations at my day job. Um, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, kind of prep the my replacement. You know, trying to kind of temper expectations there, kind of build up his confidence. Kind of nervous about <laughs> coming to fill my shoes, and then you know, preparing to be a father, and then you know, potentially getting this house ready. You know, trying to kind of scale our real estate empire and you know then also applying for jobs but then also trying to you know build a network and talk to people and, and prospect and things like that so it's still still just a juggling act but you know just make progress one percent progress every day and i think we'll be all right how's the transition with your backfill going it was great i just uh i just saw him last week so he flew in. he's coming from korea his name's steve so uh we chatted, I took him out to lunch and let him pick my brain and, you know, try to give him, you know, you know, advice and kind of insight, not just about the job in general, but just, you know, living in the area and things like that and transportation. So um, I feel like he got a, you know, he gets getting a little more comfortable with it. So no, things are good to be there in mid-July. I'm kind of wondering what I'm supposed to do between, you know, 
july and september like it's we don't have excess space there right desks and workstations so it's like what am i gonna do well we haven't had that conversation yet so i've never done the job i've worked with many but i've never done (laughs) the job that you do um but i can imagine there's like a like a database of just information and stuff that you need to know to do the job? Like, is there a lot of stuff that you have to hand over like a, a share drive or something like that that you get? Oh yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? Every, or I thought every organization had a share drive is chaotic and disorganized as ours. Oh yeah. I mean, there's probably that's information going back. Gosh, I don't know. Probably like the early two thousands. Now what's actually relevant, um, you know, probably in the last few years or so there is, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's like a very like super like refined role, right? It's really kind of fluid, right? It's kind of problem solving. Um, I mean, there are some like major like kind of pillars that you're responsible for, but then a lot of it's just kind of answering the mail and just, you know, it's just, you know, you couldn't sit there and twiddle your thumbs for more than 20 minutes without some kind of problem popping up. If not even at the office, somewhere out in the field and you're getting a phone call or an email or something like that. So, um, but I mean, I think that's the, the, the job series in general. You should really just rename it like professional problem solver. Yeah, I used to I used to call my job the firefighter because that's all I did was run around and put off fires. Yeah, that sounds about right. Cool, man. Um, well, that's all I've got. Is there a do, let me ask you this. Is there a do out that I should be ready for the next time we meet up? No, no. I mean, not unless you got a script to teach me how to convince my wife you know, walk back from the edge from overpaying for all these baby furniture and accessories and things like that. If you got something for that, that would be helpful. That, that happens on the first child on the second child. Then everything is out the window after that. It's like, Oh yeah, we've still got all this stuff and we don't need that extra stuff. We still got the old crib in the basement. But also trying to get myself luckily like the nursery is not even ready yet. Like I, I think I'm just down to the part where I can paint now. I've got everything kind of sanded in. So I'm always telling people, you ask me for the registry. And I'm like, no, we're not ready to receive. Like, check back with me in like July. Like, we're not ready to receive things yet. If you buy it, it's just going to go up in the attic. So like the nursery's not even ready. I need to get it think, painted, which I hopefully I can get here done next weekend or so. But just kind of trying to manage the household and manage my life. But the, I mean, so the most important thing out of all that, out of all the spending the money and buying the furniture and all that stuff is, and I mean, luckily you'll be retired around that same time. So you should have quite a bit more time is really the first two years, three years, five years, like those first couple of years with the child are the years that you are going to be the most stressed because it's all brand new. You're learning how to deal with a, you know, a little infant or a, a toddler or whatever. And you have to like learn how they talk and how they walk and how they move and what noises they make when they need this or what noises they make when they need that and all their little ups and downs and emotional things. But once they get past that age and get up into like the, the tens and the teens, then all you think about is like, man, I wish I could just, can you just be three again? So, <laughs> so. I do. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I do. I did, you know, I want to try to find a way that I'm not, you know, overworking basically, right? I'm as home as much as I can because ultimately that's kind of why you do it, right? For your 
family and enjoy life because you only get one shot at it. You don't want to be, you know, spending it away from your family doing things that at the end of the day don't really matter, right? <laughs> so, no, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, that's why I'm pretty so adamant about not even exploring, you know, taking a job till after the new year. It's like I really do want to enjoy those first few months at home um, and not be pressured to, like, you know, I need to go you know, be doing skill bridge or, you know, something like that. It's like, no, that's my job, you know, we'll be here and do interview, take job interviews and things like that here. But yeah, I do want to be around for the first few months of the first child. So looking forward to it. Yeah, that'll be good. I think you'll, you'll get a kick out of it. New challenge every day. <laughs> I'm trying to get like as much stuff done that I can, that I don't have to worry about so I can spend it, you know, time focusing on raising the uh, the heir to the throne cool man well i will let you get back to your evening i appreciate you taking the time i know it's a little bit late um but i appreciate you coming back on and uh, i enjoyed the chat and that's why i wanted to keep it really just lightweight and just chill uh kind of ease back into it and, and maybe get into some deeper topics on military retirement and transition at some other point but for this one we're good all right. Well, uh, yeah, you have yourself a good night. All right. You too, man. And for everybody else out there, I hope you enjoyed the, uh, <laughs> the long winded, uh, uh, banter back and forth. So I'll catch you later, man. All right. Take care.